You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome, one and all, to episode 65 of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. You are in the right place at the right time, my friend. So, tonight we are covering the Tesseract mailbox where Samuel writes in and a couple other people post on Facebook about additional things that irritate them when people are doing hobby stuff on social media. And it's a delight. We also have our main topic tonight, which is Real Talk with the Pimpcron, where I am interviewing Charles from Fear This Customs. And if you're not familiar with Fear This Customs, they've been a sponsor of Shorehammer for several years now. And um, uh, that's just, that. I'm just saying that's how I know him. That these people don't pay to be on or anything like that. And, um, but I just like talking to different people in these, you know, different industries that are supportive of wargaming and accessories and whatnot. And, um, Fear This Customs does, like, combat gauges and, um, turn counters and, um, dice holders for your wounds and stuff like that. So, um, they are on the other side of America than I am. And, um, I recorded with him the other day. So it was nice to talk to him. Um, I originally saw them several years ago on Facebook, and I saw their turn counters, and I was like, that is sweet. So they are, I, I don't know if they're resin, uh, but they're like cast resin counters, and uh, I mean, the turn counters, and you put your dice in them, and it takes track of um, you and your opponent's um, command points, you and your opponent's scores, and the turn and it's super, super handy. They're meant to be painted, like, to match your army color or whatever. So I bought one of those, and um, before I ever asked them to be a sponsor, I bought one of those for myself, and I was like, dude, this is sweet. So then I ended up contacting him, and uh, this, like I said, I think this was, like, three years ago, and I said, hey, do you mind, you know, I didn't even know about his combat gauges at the time, and I was like, hey, do you mind being a sponsor for, you know, the, the giveaways and all that stuff, so, and they have been a sponsor ever since, so... I have been speaking to him for years, but I never actually spoke to him before, like, on the phone, you know, we were over Skype, so that was an interesting conversation, and how exactly, you know, he got into all that and whatnot. So, uh, once again, you know, um, I pick people that I like their products, so it may come off a little fanboyish, but whatever, these are nice people, and I like their products, so nobody has ever paid me to say any of this, this is just my opinion. So... What have I been up to this week? Well, gee, this week is a, a blur, actually. Um, I played a really, really fun game of um, one of the uh, scenario modes in my new supplement book with Just James and our friend Connor, and that was a lot of fun. Tyranids versus Blood Angels and Drakari, which was an interesting match, and um, they uh, seem to have fun on that. I also have recently been bitten by the bug of Stormcast again. Um, I own, I don't know, when it's all said and done, I probably own like 1,500 points of, of painted Stormcast, something like that. Um, I don't know that it's quite 2,000, but it could be. And um, I have not been, have not gotten around to painting Stormcast for a little while. A hot minute, as the kids would say. And I have just started painting some Stormcast again. So that's quite exciting. Um... You know, like in that uh, Soul Wars box, they give you three, uh, what are they called? Oh, what are they called? 
evocators. They give you three evocators, but the group, the unit actually is a minimum of five. And I despise when they do that, but they did it. So luckily I've gotten two new evocators so I can actually have the full squad, which is stupid. But anyway, uh, so tonight I've been painting evocators. And I'm also uh, painting a Lord Ordinator, which is fun. And um, what else? Oh, uh, five Judicators. Yep, the Archer Dudes. And uh, that is what I have had on my painting table. This is the first time that I've actually hobbied in quite some time. We also had a paint day just uh, yesterday. And the paint day, um, Just James came over, Bliggity Blam Steve, our friend Tony all came over and we painted more terrain for Shorehammer. So we did that for five or six hours. That was a lot of fun. We got to chat and um, quarrel like, you know, hens. And I think that's about it for me. I'm trying to think, but that's pretty much it. So this is a slightly different format episode because um, the uh, interview went on for quite a while and we have a test rack mailbox. So that are the that is the only two segments that we have tonight. So sit back and enjoy the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Welcome to another edition of what what edition? What is this? Oh, the Tesseract mailbox, that's what it is. So this week, we have a letter from Samuel that came to me through facebook.com slash pimpcron. And he writes, Hey, Cron, love the podcast. I wanted to add something that drives me up the wall on Facebook. This isn't really seeking attention, but kind of is. Someone starts a new AOS army and immediately joins the Facebook group for said army, then proceeds to ask which units they should buy and which units are, quote, good. This drives me up the fucking wall because that is the entire point of buying the book. You buy the book and should rely on your own skills as a player to digest the information and make your own judgments. These people want to start a new army and immediately be pointed in the direction of the nastiest thing without even looking at the book. Ugh. I think this internet group think is what causes the meta to be so harsh and unforgiving with tournaments being scores of the same list, whatever the hotness is. Oh well, thanks for letting me vent at ya. If this gets on the show, I will be tickled pink, and I'm black. It's <laughs> signed Samuel. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> Hopefully when you hear this, you'll be tickled pink, uh, Samuel. <laughs> and uh, yes, I, I completely hear you on that. Um, I am part of many, many, many groups on Facebook as well. And people are constantly doing that exact thing. Um, another version of that that I also see is when someone is obviously an attention seeker and they join these groups and they make the same post that you just talked about where they're asking whatever the hotness is. And then they post, oh, look, this is my first model assembled. And then, like, the next day they post, oh, look, here's my first unit assembled. And then they post, hey, uh, you know, what's your favorite color scheme? What should I go with? And then they post, I mean, it's like they, they are posting every single day of the week. And I, I understand they're excited about it, but it's highly irritating when it's like, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. Um, so that's, that's also irritating in my book. Now, we also, so thank you for writing in, Samuel. We also have a couple other comments that were on the Facebook uh, post of this podcast. 
So I just wanted to throw these in as well. Jonathan says that the collage of photos that uh, McStorman and I were talking about with the profile and picture in the center comes from an outside website that compiles your top eight liked photos for the year and puts them around your profile. Okay. Uh, I guess that's it. But, you know, on the other hand, it's always pictures of models. So, I mean, I guess maybe that's their top eight pictures that were liked, but they don't have any personal pictures or something. I don't know. It's just weird. It's weird to me, and I don't like it. It's scary, and I'm confused and angry, Jonathan. Robert says, If this approval-seeking trend takes off, we should start taking photos of miniatures in front of an amazing background, deliberately blocking the center of the shot, like the background isn't important. Police shootouts, women's volleyball matches, porn sets, all perfect settings to have in the background of a badly painted miniature. You know, that's true. We should go to, like, um, you know, you're on vacation in France... And, um, you know, the Eiffel Tower or something like that, you know, you're taking a picture of it and but you're really taking a picture that is a model like six inches from your camera, but it's completely obscuring the Eiffel Tower. That's actually would be pretty funny. Or like you said, a porn set that works. I don't have free access to porn sets, but that's maybe you do, Robert. (laughs) Police shootouts, too. That's pretty hilarious. Um, And then... The final comment was from Nate, and he says, Just gonna chime in, every idiot that spills non-oil and takes a photo of it, or tells us that they spilled non-oil. You know, that is also the truth. Um, That also drives me up the wall, with the whole, Oh, I spilled, I spilled my wash, oh. And, okay, like, it's, I don't, and, I don't know, like, these people act like it's such a big deal. Oh, I spilled, sure, it's a $7 pot of wash if you buy one of the big ones. I mean, I, I get it, it's $7, but if you're in this hobby and $7 is going to set you back, maybe you should pick a different hobby, honestly. I mean, I'm not made of money either, but come on. Um, and, like I said, you could be frustrated, you could tell your buddy about it, or you could do whatever, you could cuss or yell, but to literally... You know what else drives me nuts about these pictures is that they don't even <laughs> they don't even clean up the wash until they take a picture so they got this big puddle of wash on their cutting board or whatever and they're like oh better take a picture of it or what about when they get uh wash on their hands that you know is another thing oh looks like i killed someone here's my you know carboro red or whatever it is um and one other thing what about all of the uh nate just reminded me of this what about all of the hobby accidents like where someone cuts themselves or whatever and they're like, oh, look, blood for the blood god, or something stupid. Yes, your chaos people have spikes on them. Yes, you poked your finger. Get over it. Nobody sees needs to see a picture of that. Nobody cares. I just, it, it reminds me of my children is what it reminds me of. You know, where my, my daughter, you know, falls down and she screams and yells and runs over to me and goes, ah, and acts like she's dead. And then I look at her knee, and her knee is literally not even bleeding, not scraped. I mean, it might be a little red from falling down, but it's literally not injured. And then I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, and walks away. <laughs> like, why did you make such a big deal about this? And that's the same thing I want to say with all these people on Facebook. Like, why did you make such a big deal about whatever it is you took a picture of? Just wipe up the Nolan oil and go about your business. Ugh. So... Anyway, thanks for everyone for chiming in, and uh, you can reach me at pimpcron at gmail.com. You can also reach me at facebook.com slash pimpcron. 
Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Hey everybody, this is Pimpcron, and today we are interviewing Charles with Fear This Customs. How are you doing today, Charles? Hey, good to be on. Now, you are a longtime sponsor of Shorehammer, and this year you've donated a bunch of stuff for our charity raffle, so I'd like to thank you first and foremost. Um, we've been in touch for a couple years now. We've had um, a lot of stuff from you, including um, you know, your turn counters, um, points counters, your combat gauges, and other stuff. So before we get into all of that, let's start where, where you started in the hobby. How long have you been in it? What game did you start with? What army? All that. Um, me and my friends in high school, was it high school or middle school? Ah, it's been about 20 years. We, uh, we started out, we were just looking for something to play. We were getting bored with our Sega Genesis and crap back then. And we saw, uh, Warhammer when we were at the hobby shop. My friends got Space Marines and I saw the Imperial Guard, uh, Catechins. And I thought they looked pretty badass because they looked kind of like Rambo, of course. Everyone yeah. makes that reference. Yeah. But then I, I, we, uh, back then you could flip through the codexes in the store and I was reading it up, and I'm like, dude, these guys are fucking, like, badass, man. They fight all these, like, mon- monsters that are worse than, like, Tyranids on their home planet, like, before they eat breakfast every day. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, these guys sound pretty cool. So I started with those. I played those for a few years. And then uh, later on, uh, I started uh, noticing Sisters of Battle. And they kind of reminded me of uh, another army that I liked in, a, in one of my favorite book series, Wheel of Time, the Children of the Light. They were kind of like a less psychotic version of them <laughs> i've never read that unfortunately obviously it's a well-known book but yeah um, you have to explain just a little bit for me yeah actually i just found out the other day that amazon's turning it into a tv series now that's going to be on par with uh lord of the rings oh yeah that's pretty cool but uh check it out then yeah but, but in that in that series the the children of the light are like some crazy fanatical witch burning army Mm. Uh, that like oh everything's heresy and that kind of thing. So it kind of it kind of there's some parallels with the Sisters of Battle. So it interested me and I started up them, and I played uh, Imperial Guard with Sisters for a while, and then eventually I got bo- a little bored with just being always being the humans and I wanted a Xenos army, and I was like oh what can I be like? At the time, almost nobody at our shop played Tyranids and they looked really interesting, and just having a bunch of giant bugs like a Nidzilla army going across the table seemed like a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. So now Sisters and Tyranids are my main guys. So what edition did you start in Tyranids? Oh, I think it was 6th edition. I started, oh, okay. play- I, started, I started playing altogether in 2nd edition. Wow. And, yeah. But uh, now Sisters of Battle, what, what edition did they come in, out? They were around in 1st, but they didn't have uh, an official codex. Or I think at the time they didn't have models. They only got models during second and, between 2nd and 3rd. And then oh, they I got didn't a- realize. And they had a PDF codex for years before they had a hardcover. Huh. I did not realize that they were that old as far as the game's concerned. Yeah, they were They were back when it was still Rogue Trader, I think. But um, Now, Tyranids came out 3rd edition, something like that? No, Tyranids were around in 2nd edition. They just were really, really, uh, the sculpts back then were not very appealing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got the derpy uh, Tyranid warriors with the They, the they kind of look... That kind of looked like something that like uh, kindergarten class might have put together with some Play-Doh. I'm not trying to insult. Yeah. Games. I'm not trying to insult Games Workshop. They do really good sculpts, but I mean, just back then, it just it looked questionable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got some of those old models, and they do. Um, their bodies really aren't that bad. They're kind of like a like an ant. Their bodies are, but their faces and heads, ugh, they're just terrible. Yeah, they've come a long way, and the sculpts now look just beautiful. 
Yeah. So um, so now sister, uh, did you say sisters and Tyranids now? Yeah, sisters and Tyranids. Okay. I kept so one of my human races, and I kept uh, the Tyranids, of course, because I love having fun with them. Yeah, that's a nice balance. So um, it just depends on like who I'm playing with. Sometimes we team up and do like two v twos, and I'll play whatever works. So did you say you started Tyranids in sixth edition? I think it was sixth. Yeah. Oh, you poor soul. That was the dark ages of Tyranids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sixth and seventh edition were <laughs> I, a rough time. I I I like I like them too because for a while I've been playing mostly Imperial Guard and it was so easy to win. Uh, you would just have a mob and some tanks and that your enemy couldn't kill enough of you to clear the objectives. Yeah. And you could just win by it just it couldn't kill you fast enough. And it got it got boring. So I was like, ah, I want an underdog army. And that was one of the other things that have made uh, Tyranids appeal to me because they're more of a finesse army. If you make mm-hmm. like one little mistake, that could screw you for the whole game and you just you have to focus and pay attention to every move. Sure. Synapse used to be a much uh, harsher thing to deal with than it is now. Oh, yeah. Um, remember you, you had... Bugs just running off doing their own thing if you weren't careful. Yeah, I don't remember the words, but it was like hide and hunt, and there's a couple different things they would do. Yeah. Um, once they got out of Synapse range. Now I find those rules are a lot more forgiving. It was at minus one to hit, I think, or something. It's, it's not much. Yeah. Um, but also synapse range is also larger and you can pretty, you can, if you're trying, you can basically get the entire board covered in synapse now. It's, it's not quite between psychic powers and the, the Norn crown or whatever it's called, the artifact. And, oh uh, yeah. And then yeah. some of the more, uh, some of the creatures that provide synapse are more usable in games now. Um, I think for a while in seventh that there just wasn't very many synapse creatures that were appealing to use. So synapse mm-hmm. is a little more scarce. Like Zoe's are really good and pepper those around yeah yeah i um i also play tyranids but um i have not ever played sisters so of course i'm kind of eyeing that now but i i don't think i have a bunch of armies so i I, I don't think i'll dive in i actually for i had oh gosh maybe a few squads worth of the metal models the Mm -hmm. original metal models the peter models for sisters but uh for a long time i had uh kit bashed ones that i made from dreamforge games their valkyries oh nice and then uh, I forget who I got the heads from, but another company, another company made really good heads for them. And it was like three different companies that I kitbashed with, and I used uh, Games Workshop bolters and weapons. Nice. And then I, that was that was my army for a long time. And then I just uh, sold that off to a, a guy and his girlfriend. His girlfriend wanted to play Sisters, and now I'm uh, rebuilding with all Raging Heroes models. Yeah, that was the first thing that came to mind. When you said you were using proxies, I thought, oh, I wonder if he's using... Uh, what. Uh, Baddest Girls in the Galaxy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They have some Those really good cool. sculpts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that pretty much put them on the map, that line alone. I know they do a lot of other things like Dark Eldar and things too now, but um, the Sisters of Battle line is pretty They awesome. actually just branched out into doing Chaos too. Oh, um, is it all female, everything they do? Not everything, just probably like 90%. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen some pretty cool Dark Eldar models um, come from them. But um, so let's... Let's talk, and this is not supposed to be a uh, infomercial or anything like that. But um, uh, I like to interview different people from the different industries in wargaming, and um, uh, you know, like I've already interviewed Matt Sabal and um, uh, Mad Robot uh, Productions and, and things like that. So, um, being that you're a sponsor and I've known you for a couple years and all that, I, I wanted to have you on and just discuss gaming in general and exactly, you know, what you do, the services you provide, the things like that. And because um, you've got some things that are interesting and unique that um, 
you know, the reason why I contacted you years ago about sponsorship for the, the convention is that I really liked your products. And um, obviously, you know, this is going to sound like I'm just kissing butt, but honestly, <laughs> I, you know, I do use one of the, um, uh, the Fear This, Custo- uh, yeah, Fear this Customs uh, turn counters and all that. And um, I haven't painted up and everything. And I get compliments all the time. People go, oh, where'd you get that from? And I, and it's, I mean, it's printed right on it. But um, so <laughs> people do like it and it is noticeable. So. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. Um, that's that's how I got started with the whole thing is people asking me about the one I made for myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so how did you embark on this whole journey of starting your own? I guess it would be gaming supplement company. Yeah. Um. It was around sixth and seventh. We just like, oh, there was never enough uh, like templates to, to measure exactly what you wanted, or they they had them, but they weren't exactly the units you needed. Or then, as eighth was rolling around, there was more things to keep track of, like command points, different mm-hmm. measurements, and then now there's going to be wounds and uh, wounds, not just like five five wounds on at most on a model. There was models that were going to be having 12 wounds, 18 wounds, 20 wounds, and then we're going to be having these round dice. And I remember six-sided dice get bumped all the time and knocked around, and then you're like, wait, was that on a four or five? How many wounds did that guy have left? And that, yeah. could decide, that could decide a game right there if that's a key model. So all the time that would cause an argument or a disagreement, and, or some, somebody would scoop up the dice on accident because they rolled a bunch of dice right near it, or they just forgot why that dice was there and it get picked up. Mm-hmm. So um, I was thinking uh, these wound dice are going to be a problem for a lot of people. I wanted a cheap, easy solution to uh, make it easy for myself. And I wasn't even thinking about selling it at the time. And I just uh, started sculpting the wound holders so the dice wouldn't roll around. And they would keep the dice fixed in place. Mm-hmm. And then uh, people in my gamer group started asking about them and liked them. And then I ended up starting to sell them. And the same thing happened with the, uh, the score trackers I made. I just I had a few different iterations of that, and some of my older customers will remember buying the dial ones. But I uh, settled on the dice ones because I'm like, dice is easy. Everyone has dice. Um, it'd be easy to count, keep track of. Sure. And yeah. Also, you can paint them to match your army or whatever. Like yeah, I said, oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I have a bunch of different armies. So what I did was I painted player ones. Um, it's all silver on the outside, but player ones. Um, indentations for the dice are, I think they're blue, and then player two is red, and then in the center, the uh, turn counter is purple. So it's kind of just like generically, almost like video game colors. Um, oh, yeah. But I know uh, a lot of people will paint people, them for Yeah, their people sent me, market. people sent me a lot of pictures of how they customize them and everything. And sometimes mm-hmm. I even get people who are like, they, wanna, they don't want to risk messing it up or whatever, and they'll, they'll ask me to paint it for them and stuff too. Oh. Yeah. And then, uh, cool. then after those guys, were a big hit i had been thinking about doing my own templates for a while but i didn't have the means to do it i didn't have a laser cutter and at the time they were all pretty expensive there wasn't any cheap options but uh one of my friends just out of chance uh put me in contact with a guy who did laser cutting he's like oh hey you still interested in doing uh cutting that thing you were telling me about and i was like why you know someone he's like yeah put me in contact with him and he printed out me a sample cut me out a sample and it was beautiful and i'm like this is legit this is perfectly what we need so I, I, uh, I worked out pricing with him, and um, I got him to come down low enough to where I could offer it at a reasonable price to people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And with 8th edition coming out, you have to measure 9 inches for deep strike and a few other things and having to do 3 inches a lot and all those different measurements you needing to have quick. It's not always convenient to try and squeeze a tape measure around the table. And these uh, the tactical templates are really narrow and fit into tight places without hitting everything. Sure. So being able to make those and keep them cheap was really good. And then uh, something else I was able to do because I worked out uh, good pricing with him was uh, nobody else was really doing it at the time was letting people put their own artwork on there, whether it was like their own like little gaming group or their event or their event or tournament mm-hmm. or just artwork for their army or their customized chapter. And a lot of people like that feature. Not really very many people offered that or they've charged a lot to do it. And then, um, yeah, these, and after we, st- I noticed that after a while, after like maybe the first six months that we started getting popular, there's another Bay Area company over here that nearby me <laughs> that, uh, they've pretty much started copying every product we came up with and even started, <laughs> they, they even started every time I would post an ad on Facebook, I started noticing that they were modeling their ads almost identical to mine and they would like post up their ad the following day. Did you know these people? I know a couple of them. Oh. And and uh, it was really one of them was really bold one time. He was at a, uh, a a little mini tournament that I was that I was at, and I had provided some prize support for as well. And he picked up one of the templates, and he's like, "Oh, this is really good. I'm gonna I'm gonna t- get one of these, and I'm gonna take it to my friend." And he said the name of the company. I'm not gonna name drop the company right now, though. He said the <laughs> name of the company. I was like, "I'm gonna take it to my friend over there and see if he can make them." I'm like, I looked at him like. Really? You're, uh, you're telling me this? Yeah, yeah, the vendor. I'm like, for it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm the guy, right? <laughs> it's just like, okay, yeah, whatever. It is, but yeah, watching them copy like my every move was kind of like, especially them being a bigger company, was a little bit flattering, but it was also really frustrating too, because sure. I'm a much smaller operation. We're just family run. It's just me and my son that helps me out here. Oh. And then when you got another company that has like several employees or however big they are and but a lot more uh financial backing they're just trying to like steamroll everything you come up with sure, it's, a little frust- a, it's, it's a little frustrating but we just, just try to keep a straight predator essentially yeah we try to keep our prices low though and i've noticed that a lot of the things that they do copy from us our prices are still a little bit lower and from what i from what i gather from the community anyways uh a lot of them are our products are more appealing visually and just aesthetically mm-hmm and I and I I made sure to try and get the community's opinion on a lot of our products when I started coming up with them. I would post up uh, mock-ups and prototypes and ask people what they thought, what they felt it needed to changed, and I got a lot of community input that helped with a lot of that stuff. Awesome. Yeah, and, and then uh, just from there, we just try to sponsor local events and uh, and just other communities, Warhammer communities, just to get our name out there. Like yeah, like like like, like, like Shorehammer. <laughs> yeah, and you put our logo on it too. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's funny because you you've always put the um, the date too. So um, you know, my, oh yeah, my, just like commemorate the to commemorate the year and the event. People are like, oh yeah, was, when was I at that tournament? Was it 2015? Yep. 2016? And they just look at their template or whatever they got, and they're just like, oh yeah. And it's funny, yeah, because I've got I know several different people nice that have that little touch. Templates. Yeah, and they're like, oh, mine's 2017, mine's 2018, or whatever. It's yeah, it's, 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 it's a good fun. conversation to start too. You see, oh, you were at last year's tournament, or you? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And uh, we we got uh, green ones from you the first year, and then the second year I think was orange, and then uh, this year I think it's green again. But it's it's also a color difference. You offer several different colors too. I should mention. 
Yeah, um, um, my supplier at first only had uh, the fluorescent green available, and there was other colors, but they didn't illuminate like that one. And I would actually even discourage customers from choosing those colors because I'm like, they look good on the computer, but I, I would show them when you get it cut in these colors, they don't look good on the table, and they kind of the the engravings kind of vanish. Yeah, if you don't hold them right. But uh, the fluorescent colors that we have available now, there's uh, the green that we've always had. Now there's a fluorescent orange, an amber, and even like a clearish blue. And they all glow really nicely on the tables and even when you hold them up and everything. So it's very easy to read them. Nice. So it just ended up being that it had to be those neon bright colors. Anything darker, I just, I guess the edges don't highlight, huh? Yeah, it does. It doesn't. It, the way that they catch the light and self illuminate is really nice. And just the other the other colors they had available before just didn't do that. Hmm. So I guess this this person that um, laser cuts and whatever he also laser cuts other things. You said it was like already an existing person doing stuff, right? I mean, a company or whatever he was. Oh yeah. Uh, I I'm no longer uh, working with that guy. That guy retired. But uh, he passed me on to another uh, another shop that also does uh, laser cutting. I just have to do slightly larger batches. So but, uh, out of, out of curiosity, it. I mean, what's the other application for laser cutting acrylic things like that? Like what else? What's oh, their gosh, other they, work? They, they have all kinds of customers. Other things they laser cut for other companies, a lot of people do like signage or they have custom boxes made. Actually, for myself, I, um, I use a 3D printer at home for prototyping a lot of things. They made hmm. me an, they made me a, a an enclosure for my printer that looks really nice. Huh. Um, I actually use them a lot for just little things that I want to do custom. That's interesting. So it's like you, a fabrication shop. They'll just cut out whatever you want, and that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, I you have to <laughs> if you want to design the the products yourself, you have to have uh, some pretty fancy software sometimes. The I use Corel. It was a five hundred dollars software at the time, so it's not cheap. Yeah. But uh, it's an investment. If you're going to be using it a lot, it's definitely worth it. Hmm. So um, now I'm not super familiar with your entire product line. I know that you um, – just the things that you've donated to Shorehammer, I know you've got the – what I call combat gauges, but you call them what? Tactical? Oh, tactical templates, yeah. Tactical templates. And then I've got the what I call turn counters, and you call them the – Point and turn counters. Just okay, it's, point it's, and turn counters. I mean, it's in the name. It just tells you right away what they do. They can't. They, they track the points in the turn. Yeah, and then I also know that you've got objectives, one through six objectives. Um, yeah, um, I, I started out doing uh, sculpted and then resin cast um, objectives, but they were a little more difficult to, to mass produce. And mm. now I still offer them, but I offer them special orders so people know they're going to take a little bit longer to get. But uh, the laser template ones... I was able to offer for much cheaper and get them out much quicker. Nice. Now, uh, what else do you offer? What other services or products do you offer? Um, mostly, oh, the, the wound counters, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about those earlier. But um, something else I'm, I'm wanting to start to add is um, terrain options. And one of the – I know you can get terrain everywhere. So I, I know if I was going to add anything, it had to be a little bit special. Uh, and I had made a prototype that I used for a Halloween game that me and some of my friends uh, played. And I thought, how good, how fun would it be to have, like, a ha we're having a haunted little Halloween table here. And graveyard themed and everything. How cool would it be to have, like, smoke flowing across the whole thing? Oh, and I, yeah. I, and I found out, well, I couldn't use a smoke machine because it leaves a really oily residue on the models and it ruins the paint. So I found out that the only thing I could use was dry ice. 
So I made these little vats, and I filled them with hot water, and I would just drop little pieces of dry ice in them throughout the game, <laughs> and it would just flood the table with smoke, and it looked great. The models were, like, marching through this fog of war. That's cool. And, but it was it was pretty basic, and, the, and then the design at the time was really simple. just flowed out of the top, and it kind of dissipated before it had much of an effect. And, and uh, I didn't have time to really work on it last year, but uh, th- recently I've had a lot of free time to work on it. And I made a new version that has like these pipes going down from the top and channels out the smoke through the bottom. And it just floods the whole table completely, and it looks really good. That's uh, cool. That was the test one that I made, and now I just want to decorate it up and make it a little bit more pretty so it looks better as a terrain centerpiece for people to use. It's, it, it's not going to be like everyone's going to use this all the time, but it's definitely going to be something that people might want to use for a special game or a tournament or just to add a little flair to uh, like maybe an APOC game or something. Be fun, sure. yeah. That's and actually pretty cool. And then uh, another thing I was uh, working on, though, this is mostly aimed at like tournament players or people who uh, might be playing multiple opponents in a day. Is uh, a little game, a little game organizer. It's gonna have uh, a dice tray on top, and then it has drawers on the sides that hold uh, all your spare dice, uh, objective markers. It even has a spot for our turn and point counters and wound counters, a pen. Um, measure uh all, all that stuff even has uh, little slots for the the tactical templates we make so you can nice. keep, so you can keep all your stuff bundled neatly here until you need it and you even have your little spot to roll your dice so they're not flying across the table and hitting everything and then when you're ready to move on to your next opponent you literally just pick up this little box and go and you have everything with you already no. oh, okay so this is a smaller like a like a i guess a game caddy or something you'd call it like to just keep organize all your stuff yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, as we're speaking, I'm uh, the, the last the last tray of my prototype is finishing up, and then um, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, get some feedback from the community on that of what they think about that, and then I'll adjust it from there. But I think I can have one available, just a simple available one, probably by the end of next month, up on the That's website. That's cool. You gonna um, what do you reach out on Facebook when you say the community? Uh yeah, I'll go to I'll go to the Warhammer forums and I'll, I'll put a picture up and I'll ask people what they think if they have any input or what they think would they'd like to see on it. Oh yeah. okay. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, also about the um the terrain too because of course you see people like um pictures of uh DMs for D and D do blow like their vape on the oh, table. Oh yeah yeah. I mean <laughs> even those can can leave uh residue on the models and stuff, but they, but sure. it's a really cool effect though, and a lot of people like having a little more visual. <laughs> effects on their models especially with everyone putting lights in their models these days too oh yeah light it up and put the smoke out of it. that'd be pretty cool too that's um it doesn't leave like um moisture or anything like that anywhere no dry it's dry ice so when it evaporates it's just see it's just uh co2 it oh just evaporates harmlessly that's cool um my brother and i had discussed at some point for shorehammer for one of our narrative boards doing something of that nature, like having a, a, a little river, you know, with fog or something. But, um, you know, we had to try to, we never did it yet, but we tried to work out like the technical issues of, okay, well, you know, what leaves mo- uh, water vapor or I think there's also these little machines. They're little teeny fog machines. It's like this oscillating, uh, like a diaphragm. Yeah. The, um, those are the ones that, uh, they leave the oily residue behind. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. I, I originally was going to try to use those, but I found out from a lot of different people that they leave with that residue, and I was like, oh, definitely can't do that. Because oh. uh, even if my models are clear-coated, not everyone's will be, and that'll cause problems. 
<laughs> sure, yeah. You don't want to grease all over your <laughs> all of yeah. your models. Yeah. That's the same reason why you don't let your messy friends touch your models. Exactly. You don't want grease exactly. all over them. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, it sounds like you guys are pretty busy then. You offer a bunch of different stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, Just trying so, to, like... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, how long have you guys been around? Ooh, the actual Fear This Customs uh, brand has been around since, like, 2003, 2004. Oh, wow. Back, but, but back then, it was mostly uh, actually focused on uh, doing custom paintball stuff. Oh. Um, <laughs> I had come up with a name at the time because th- back then, all those skateboard stickers that said No Fear Everywhere mm-hmm. were real popular. And I always thought that was, uh, was, was kind of funny. It's like you're trying to promote this like badass brand, and you say no fear, and like, how about you give people something to fear? So fear this, and then I, uh, and then uh, when I started doing all this custom work, I added the customs to it, and I wanted nice. to spell it differently, of course. So that's why I added the K instead. That's <laughs> pretty funny, actually. Too. Yeah, and then um, probably back in what was it 2000. 2008, 2009 is when I converted it all to uh, Warhammer. Most mm. well, mostly Warhammer stuff now. Yeah, we still do. We still take commissions and stuff for other things, but it's mostly Warhammer stuff now. Yeah, you said your old uh, turn counters had dials. Uh, that was the first iteration that we started during seventh. Um, it was just a, a, it was a little flat board, and it had uh, numbers going around like a clock. But I think though, I think it went up to what twenty something like that and you would turn them turn the dial just to keep track of your score and then there was another one in the middle to keep track of the turn oh and uh the cool part about those ones at least was i was uh allowing people to get their armies engraved on the dials yeah that's so you can you can have like a tyranid dial or a battle dial space marines ultramarines whatever armor you had they can get that logo on there that's pretty cool what was it mdf or something no it was they were all resin cast Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that was pretty that, interesting. That was the only way I was able to produce them uh, quickly enough and cheap enough. Hmm. I don't. I don't recall seeing those. Um. Uh. The way I I got a hold of you originally is I saw you on Facebook and I bought one of your uh, turn counters. Your, yeah. That, yeah. Those those came out probably about maybe a year to eighteen months after the dial ones. The dial uh, ones died died back a little bit because I actually had to charge a little bit more at the time back then. Because of the the custom artwork, and it was a little more of a a little bit more of a process manufacturing those back then, and I was still a small operation, and it, I didn't quite have an effective way to do it yet, so it was a little more expensive. I think back then, gosh, what were they? Oh, Twenty five, thirty bucks for a counter. Oh, yeah, and now it's not even half that. So, wow, that's amazing. So um, now your combat gauges are fifteen. Is that how much they are? Uh, the tactical templates are ten, and then the if, oh, you get them with, if you get them with custom artwork, it's fifteen. Yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> that's, and like then, I said, uh, I, I'm always afraid of this sounding like an infomercial because this is not at all, you know, the reason for doing this. But um, I, I the problem is I only have people on the show that I like their stuff. So then it's it's not, you know, I, I can't help a, but go, hey, a, I like your stuff. Yeah, it's inherent. Yeah, I get yeah. you. But uh, yeah, and I like I said, I try to keep the prices low on that stuff, and I'll. Even at the time, people who offered in uh, 6th and 7th edition had uh, similar combat gauges that were smaller, and they they were like 12 and 15 bucks and didn't have anything cu- uh, customizable about them. So I yeah. was really happy that I could offer my standard ones at 10 and the customized ones at 15 because I think that's pretty competitive and 
keeps them popular. Absolutely. I, I think that's a really good price. And also, um, I've seen some combat gauges that were like three inches long. And I'm like, what on earth do you oh, need a three-inch long combat gauge for? I, I, I made the mistake of buying one of those before, too. I misread it, and I thought that that was just one side of it. And the yeah. whole thing came. It's just a tiny little thing. I'm like, what good is this? Yeah, actually, it might. The, the one, somebody left one at Shorehammer one year. And uh, it wasn't one year's. It was like just some generic, some some other one. And we have like a lost and found. And it's still lying around somewhere, but it's like four inches long. I'm pretty sure it wasn't three. It was four, which I thought was an even weirder number. And it was four inches long and it had no other. Yours is like, um, what, nine inch, two inch, six inch, three inch, I think. And then, of course, one inch. That's yeah. the different size. All the different measurements you need to do quickly. You need to st- one inch. You stick it between a model for uh, two inches, three inches. You're yep. moving six inches. You flip it over. You want to do a drop, uh, uh, drop in. You got nine inches right there. Yeah, but the the one the one that was left here, and I don't know what brand it was or whatever, but it was I think it was four inches and it was two inches, and then the the top part of it was no other useful measurements. It was like a curved line, so you could use the short end of it was like two inches, and the long end of it was four inches, oddly enough, and then yeah. the rest of it was completely useless. <laughs> like yeah, the, the the very first the very first one I had myself was similar in that way. It, there was only two sides that you could measure with, and the rest was just some like odd design yeah and i was and i looked at it and i thought what a waste you could do so much more every edge of this could be useful so when oh, i design sure. when i designed mine i wanted every edge to be useful yep and uh, like you said the the nine inches away for deep striking that's super helpful oh yeah um, you, you don't you don't have to whip out a tape measure like oh no that's a half inch away that's no you're holding the tape measure wrong just stick the template there done two seconds yep <laughs> so um Anyway, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, anything else about yourself or about uh, the business or anything like that? Anything you have planned? I know you've already mentioned what you have planned, but anything else? Oh, gosh, no. I think we covered everything for the most part. Okay. But uh, but uh, I, I do want people to know that if you have ideas or something you like to see and you think it's too expensive for other companies that try or you got a quote from someone else and you're like, oh, gosh, that's too expensive – we love trying out new things and helping people with uh, little projects. And if you have an idea for something and you need someone to help you like make it real, hit us up. Yeah, and you guys are um, what Fear of This Customs on Facebook. I'm assuming is the is that like, yeah, it's, uh, exactly Facebook, the name. Facebook.com/slash Fear This Customs or our website is uh, ftcustoms.com. But the fastest way to reach us is always on the Facebook because it goes right to my phone. But that's customs with a K. Customs with the K, yes. And does the um, I know your title has fear of this with an exclamation point. Is that they don't usually do uh, punctuation in the? Oh no, no, yeah. The, as far as the web and all that's concerned, there's yeah. no punctuation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't know if that messed something up with the HTML or, or the uh, the uh, the address. web address. Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, um, I thanks a lot for being on. I appreciate it. It was very interesting. Um, I really like talking to all these different people that all have these like uh. Um, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, auxiliary roles in the wargaming thing. You know what I mean? Like um, like the army transports or like your combat gauges, like the, the accessories. It's interesting how, you know, all these entrepreneurs are getting interested in this hobby and then they find ways to, you know, make businesses or make products that are actually useful and helpful. Because um, I'm pretty sure Matt Sabal was pretty much the first army transport. Like that's that was the guy oh, yeah. that, that came yeah, up that- with it. That was probably one of the first things I bought, too, when I started. 
Yeah. It was one of his carry trays or his carry uh, bags. Yeah. So I still have so I still have some of those. Well, mo- actually, most of my armies are because uh, me just being, you know, I like things all to be the same because then I can intermix uh, the trays because all the different, you know, companies have different size trays. Oh, yeah. It's just so, an, inch, an inch off this way, an inch off this way. You got to yes. rebuy all your foam for them. And yeah. And some are more long, some are more square and all that. So I like to just keep with one brand and then I can intermix, you know, if I outgrow a case, then I can do whatever I want because all the trays will fit each other. But that's yeah. just my own personal <laughs> problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right now, I right now I have like four different brands of cases in there because <laughs> I, 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 I started transitioning from Sabol to the hard cases. Then I, the hard cases didn't have enough room. So then I found Game Plus and Game Plus had really nice bags. And I, I was probably the happiest with them because their bags are huge and had the same size trays as uh, Sabol. Oh. But then the, the latest one is the A case has the magnetic trays uh, cases. They're like a third, a third or a half the size of other cases for holding the same amount of models. You just got to oh. have uh, magnets on the bottom of your bases and you're good to go. That's, is that, does it look like a glass case? Because I saw one that was like clear see-through. No, but I have seen oh. that one. I saw someone make their own. I actually contemplated making my own too, but at, at the point at the time, it was just so much cheaper to buy the A case one. So I was like, I'll just buy it then. And I bought like five of them, and then I had my uh, sisters and my internees set up in those. Nice, and luckily they're not the metal sisters, right? You said they're. Oh no, they're... yeah, pewter models <laughs> probably wouldn't be as uh, hold up to the magnetism as well. <laughs> yeah, those <laughs> things just because they're kill someone. just because they're weight, they throw themselves around. Absolutely. Um, yeah, same thing it, with the old Tyranid stuff, too. But it, it holds my Carnifexes down. It holds my Tyrants down. It holds my Dimecarons down. I got three Dimecarons that are staying stuck to it just fine. Thank you again for donating to our charity raffle at Shorehammer. Um, you've donated uh, prize stuff every year, but this specifically is for children in our local area. Um, it helps uh, with children that have problems in school and things like that. It's similar to a, like a Big Brother's Big Sister sort of thing where um, you know a lot of kids don't have... Uh, parents or family that really cares what's going on with their grades and all that so um this it's the group is called horizons of salisbury and um they they follow the kids throughout their school career and check up on their grades and make sure they're getting you know if they need tutors they provide tutors and uh the kids that are too young to like have a job in the summer they've got free summer camps for them to keep them out of trouble and keep them occupied you know and active and so it's it's really cool i i was happy i finally found a charity that is local to my area, and I really can get behind exactly what they're doing because I, I kind of inherently don't trust charities. That's me just being cynical. Well, there's, but, def- uh... there's definitely been a fair share of uh, shady ones or like, gosh, Salvation Army where they keep like 90 cents on the dollar and stuff like that. <laughs> yes, so exactly. I, I'm always a lot more careful too when I when I participate or donate like that now. Yeah, but at least at least this one, um, you know, and actually our local store also knows who runs it and all of that, and it's all luckily on the up and up, so. Um, but anyway, I appreciate you donating to it. Um, it's a big help. That's essentially it for all my questions. So if that's if that's it for you, um, I guess we'll call it done. Yeah, man, it was great being on. Thanks for having right. me. Thanks for being on.